You're now listening to, you're now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, where we discuss everything erotic and fascinating in the wonderful world of the high-end call girl. Now, here are your hosts, Chantel Etoile and Exotic Vivian. Welcome back to another episode of the Sexy Escort Guide. I'm Chantel with my gorgeous co-host, the exotic Vivian. Hello, everyone. I actually just got back from playing tennis, so I'm feeling refreshed. I got my cardio in, so I'm ready to tackle the day. Um, I did go for a walk. It wasn't uh, as strenuous as tennis, but, you know, <laughs> I, I did sweat. So there you go. There you go. You sweat. That's all that matters. And you're giving an advantage of hiring companions today. Yes, I am. But before I do, I wanted to give another shout out to our podcast pro sponsor, Mr. W. He sent me an Amazon gift card to show his appreciation for being mentioned on the show last (laughs) week. So no, thank you, Mr. W. I really appreciate you and your generosity. Thank you. Oh, he's such a generous client. He is. He is. He's the best. He's the best. Okay. Advantage of hiring us companions. You can hire us to pose as your girlfriend for corporate and formal events where you want to portray the image of a successful man that you are. You can also hire us to pose as your girlfriend so that your family stops bothering when you're going to get married. And I've been hired for all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) I have have not been hired for the family pressure, but Mm -hmm. I have been hired for corporate events. I did mention the corporate (laughs) event um, in a prior episode, but yeah, I've experienced that. And it's actually a lot of fun. It is. I mean, it's actually a lot of fun because you're like an actress in a new movie. Yes. You know, and you're kind of like the lead character or at least the lover of the lead character. Right. Well, <laughs> so um, it's fun. And my... we're discreet. You don't have to worry about us catching an attitude because you didn't introduce us to your parents or whatever. Right. We, you write the script. We follow it to the T. We are perfect. And I like the celebration afterward of, you know, us having a nice romantic dinner of celebrating a successful evening. Yes. <laughs> Champagne flowing. <laughs> So, uh, what's new with you? Uh, back page sees, Twitter's <laughs> freaking out, and I'm avoiding it all like the uh, plague. Jeez, Louise. Yep. Just yesterday, April 6th, Backpage got shut down worldwide, and it's been seized. So has Essie, City Vibe, and that review board we're not going to mention. They're all shut down. Uh, well, no, the review board isn't shut down just for U.S. people to yeah, access they, it, they, but yeah, you can with the down. VPN. Yeah, they shut it down for the United States, uh, but I'm sure people are getting on their VPN. But it's kind of pointless because, I mean, not every girl is going to get a VPN and vice versa. But anyways, I digress. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm just, I feel, you know what? It, it affects all of us, but I'm just, I don't want to freak out. I'm trying to think of solutions. Exactly. So we're trying to figure out a solution to this problem, ladies. Let's just try to remain calm. At least don't come to me with the problems because my brain can't focus on figuring out a solution if yes. you're only coming to me with problems. Plus, just next saying. week, next week, we have a special guest that's actually going to be talking about rebranding and marketing your image for the new 
world that we live in. So definitely <laughs> tune in for next week for, for, uh, for Ho World 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're not hoes. That's illegal. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever we call ourselves. Oh, semantics. Semantics. So don't you have something you want to read? What did it say on Backpage when people log on? Backpage.com and affiliated websites have been seized. As part of enforcement action by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, a.k.a. FBI, the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, the in- and the Internal Revenue Service Criminal Investigation Division, with analytical assistance, from the Joint Regional Intelligence Center. Other agencies participating in and supporting the enforcement action include the U.S. Attorney Office for the District of Arizona, the U.S. Department of Justice Child Exploitation and Obscenity Section, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the, for the Central District of California, the Office of the California Attorney General, and the Office of the Texas Attorney General. Additional information will be provided at around 6 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, April 6th. Which they did not. Which I did not hear anything about that. No, um, the judge the judge didn't do anything. So well, we're was, still waiting. It was supposed to be by the U.S. Department of Justice and all media inquiries should go directed to the U.S. Department of Justice Office of Public Affairs. Um, so again, the DOJ was against this bill in the first place. So they're mm-hmm. probably... That's a lot of feds. But they're actually, but the Department of Justice is not listed on this. Well, I mean, like the U.S. Department of of Justice. But a bunch of other federal departments were listed. So how about we just breathe and stay tuned for now? Yes. Figure out solutions, figure out where else is available for advertising, how you can uh, power through this. Don't freak out because when you freak out, you make bad decisions, ladies breathe so yes do not panic (laughs) moving on so today we're talking about something else to help you guys take it away Chantel uh so today we're going to talk about taxes I know everybody's favorite subject OMG (laughs) tax days (laughs) around the corner April 17th this year uh since April 15th falls on a Sunday Mm -hmm. and we have a very special guest who is a tax professional that we will be asking some questions to help us out I help the ladies out when it comes to preparing your taxes and staying legal. And of course, we have two articles today to discuss that's related to tax uh, to taxes. So the first one is from the My- from the Miami Herald. A lot of a lot of things going on down in Miami. Vivian. I know. What's going on? We're um, like the major city where all the criminals come. I don't know. I guess so. Uh, so this article is from December twentieth, two thousand seventeen. So you don't have to just wait until tax season to get busted, people. Oh yeah, um, they, they start reviewing you. They put a case together, and you're done. Exactly. And uh, so this article, uh, he runs a he runs a high end escort service and the government has a problem with his taxes. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit of the article, but I just found it funny um, by the reporter, the way they wrote the article. So I might <laughs> I might giggle a little bit. Forgive me. I don't uh, care. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. This article is by David Neal, the president of a self-proclaimed prestigious and upscale Miami Beach escort agency, was indicted Wednesday by the by the Justice Department, not over not over pimping, but on allegations of corporate and personal tax fraud. Um, How they get you? So uh, 
I just thought it was funny that the he said it was self-proclaimed prestigious and upscale. That just tickled me for some reason. Yeah. Anyway. I mean... <laughs> well, because it was kind of like the way he said it, like self-proclaimed. Like, but they're you always don't... taking d- d- dibs, jabs. And jabs at us, right? <laughs> like, like, we don't know if they were really upscale and prestigious, uh... but that's what they say. But Jeez. anyway, Dennis Zerudny understated his personal income, his spouse's personal income, and the gross income of his company called Denzar, according to the indictment. They were advertising as elite Miami escorts, and the company bills it as prestigious escort agency providing 24-hour outcall escort service in adult entertainment for upscale gentlemen and couples in South Florida. So the problem came when, I'm not going to read off all the figures, you guys can uh, read the article yourself, but the indictment, um, the his gross income pretty much ranged from anywhere from 99000 starting in 2011 up to 114,000 by 2014. The problem with this is that the low end of elite stated price range of 500 to $800 an hour, those figures would mean elite had paying customers for less than six hours a week in 2011, less than four hours a week in 2012, and just over four four hours a week in 2013 and 2014. So basically he's like, I have four women working one hour for one hour a day and that's during a the week, which they knew it was a lie. Yeah. I mean, you can't call yourself elite and have your prices clearly listed and then try to pretend like you don't make any money. Come on. Exactly. I mean, that that's just an epic fail. At least like do the base price range, right? You know? Like when you when you said ninety nine thousand, I'm like, that's what one person would make. Right. That's what one companion <laughs> would make. And you have an agency of multiple girls. I mean, I don't know exactly that's what ridiculous. I don't know what his take was, but I'm I can assume that every girl he's taking a minimum of a hundred dollars. If I mean, long story short, minimum. I said you mean from the girl, okay, from the girl, right? His the (laughs) agency's portion, which would be minimum of a hundred, which it's probably more. Of course, it's more. But to say that you made ninety nine thousand, if you're sending out at least four or five girls a day, come on, like you're bullshitting. That's That's not happening. So anyway, he's been indicted. Case is still ongoing. So of course, it's going to drag out for a while. And something tells me the only reason why they got him this way was because they couldn't get him for something else. Exactly. Because everything (laughs) else was legal. He was providing escort companionship services, not prostitution. He did, however... Um, He was indicted on felony pimping charges back in 2002, but those were dismissed. I wonder why. Hmm. I know why. (laughs) Because he wasn't pimping. He was was an agent. They try. They They try try so hard. That's why I say. It's not going to work. Ladies, just stay legal. They can throw whatever they want, but they have to prove it. They can't. Yeah. The the burden of proof rests on them. So if you're running your business legally, you're fine. Just pay your taxes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They want their cut. So you have an interesting article. Yes. uh, I I have another article. And we picked this article because I think it actually um, is more relevant to the ladies. Uh, It's a little bit older, but... 
this definitely drives it home that you need to stay legal and pay your taxes. This one was in January of 2009. It's from The Guardian. And the article uh, headline is former U.S. law student who became escort pleads guilty to tax evasion. So the article states, Christina, I don't know her how to pronounce her last name, but you can read it in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> she, she was 35 years old at the time, and she admittedly ran an escort business to pay her student loans and failed to file income taxes for 2003. Uh, so I'm just going to read off bullet points. A former San Francisco area woman who worked as a high-priced call girl to pay off her Stanford Law School loans has pleaded guilty to tax evasion, ending almost five years of cat and mouse with U.S. prosecutors. So I guess they've been chasing her for a while. Uh, the maximum penalty is five years in prison and a $100,000 fine, but an agent from the U.S. Tax Collection Agency's Criminal Investigation Division said that her plea agreement indicates that she would pay the government $313,133.74, wow, and serve three years of probation, including one year of home confinement. Yikes. Uh, fun fact, uh, Christina is married to... Uh, millionaire ask.com co-founder david and his last name is warthen the name that i cannot pronounce so ladies just know that you are wifey material to the very best yes <laughs> we do we do end up marrying ceos millionaires multi-millionaires so just keep on trucking on exactly um, the article said that she acknowledged running an escort business in which she engaged sexual acts for money. I don't know why they have to put that in there because this has nothing to do with that. Nope. Um, she also admits, admitted that she grossed more than 133000 from her escort business in 2003. You see what I mean? So that's why when that guy said only 99000 I thought that was weird. Right. Totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but she did not file a tax return for that year, and she tried to hide her income by storing cash in a safe deposit box and buying postal money orders in amounts designed to avoid federal currency transaction reports. Don't do her, it, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her rates, $1,300 for two hours, $5,000 for overnight, and $15,000 for three days to serve clients in the San Francisco Bay Area, Los Angeles, Washington, New York City, Chicago, and Seattle. That's pretty standard for a high end. Yeah companion uh and apparently she owed over three hundred thousand dollars in loans and hated the prospect of being a lawyer for the next 20 years so i guess that's why <laughs> she decided to become an escort that's funny she was going to law school mm -hmm. but her career funded that yes being a companion funded her going to law school so i guess she realized oh shit why am i even going to law school if i can just do this right and then she then she uh uh, married her husband but i wonder how they met hmm. uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> they had to have met somehow uh, i'm just uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna say that there's something about this story that makes me feel that somebody ratted her out because of course, some haters i mean because that i mean the amount of money that she would have owed um just from like one year was just not really enough to be on their radar she must have purchased something or did Something that sparked somebody's interest in her. Or, this may isn't or maybe maybe she actually made much more than she, you know, declared. Right. Which is why which is why she raised a red flag with the feds. Well if so, well I mean, if you're if you're it's not that you're making more, is it like if you're if you're living a high life that's but what I'm saying. Yeah, like so she she only declared a, a small amount of what she actually made, which 
raised eyebrows because but you're obviously living out loud right you're driving around in a high-priced car and all that mm-hmm. so just just watch that kind of stuff ladies yeah seriously sure. ladies this is how the grades go down remember Heidi Fleiss they also got her for not paying taxes so just make sure you're doing your part to stay legal so that way they can stay off your back of course if they want to get you they're still going to find a way to get you but at least don't give them like options exactly you know like live your life on the straight and narrow there's no need for you to avoid paying taxes it's our duty as a u.s citizen so pay your taxes hire a professional pay your taxes i mean this happens with waitresses as well i have a story about hooters but that's a whole nother episode oh wow (laughs) yeah we'll definitely have to put that in another episode so we don't run over yes we will and now here's your femme fatale of the week And our femme fatale this week is my friend, the amazing, most beautiful, generous woman I've ever met in the business, Olivia Leone, based in Beverly Hills, California. Ooh, should I be jealous? You should not be jealous. There's room <laughs> There's kidding. room in my life for Just many kidding. beautiful ladies. But <laughs> Olivia holds a very special place in my heart. I will just say quickly, um, I met her last year when I went to L.A. with my sugar daddy at the time. Um, he was continuing on with travels, and I decided to stay back for a couple days to just kind of have some me time. And I posted on Twitter, if there's any ladies that want to get together for a drink, I would love to get together. She responded, and this woman was so great. I was having a bit of a rough time in my life, and she kind of just sensed that when we met. And she kidnapped me, of course, in a good way. And we just kind we hung out for a couple days. She, nice. We, we just kind of had like some girl time. We went to see Wonder Woman together. Oh, she was okay. like, you know, she's like, you know, spontaneous just, dates. Yes. She's like, I just need some like female empowerment. Do you want to go see Wonder Woman? So we, um, we have the funniest story. We're gonna maybe we'll have to do an interview with her or something. I'll tell the story one day. Uh, we maybe a, when we stop off in uh, LA, we can all link up and yes, for like sure. A, as a film, not film. <laughs> record, <laughs> record, record. Yes, we had a very funny um, bar incident, kind of like you and I had with Fritz. We had a funny Fritz. bar episode, um, and that kind of started a whole scene at the bar at the uh, at the Beverly Wilshire. Oh, that's a nice hotel. Yes, right. So uh, that's, that's the Printer Woman. Yes, hotel. exactly. So we, I stayed at that hotel. <laughs> so we were there at the bar, and you know, of course, some guys wanted to chat with us. Whatever. Uh-huh. Long story short, we just had an amazing time, and we've been in touch ever since. I have not been able to see her um, back in LA yet, even though I went a couple times. But of course, schedules with the sugar daddies is all about mm-hmm. them. Um, but I can't wait to see her again. We still we're still very close. We talk all the time, but she's such a wonderful woman if you are in beverly hills or in the la area and you need a wonderful woman with a great head on her shoulder that's just down to earth and just so much fun you need to contact olivia and book her or book all three of us what an endorsement wow (laughs) i just i love her so much i can't i I can't help it we like have Olivia Pope. I want to meet her. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, and she will gladly hang out with us when we go to LA. She's just so wonderful. Um, but she can be found um on Twitter at Olivia uh, VIP Escort. 
So and book her. I actually have a uh, great idea for a date for all three of us. Ooh, okay. Okay, so you're going to be going to Paris for the summer soon. Yes. So I was thinking that a lovely gentleman could fly me and Olivia to meet up with you in Paris <gasps> and we can hop over to Saint-Tropez for like, you know, the weekend. Yes. With some bubblies, party with the Prince of Monaco or something. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, gentlemen, uh, go ahead, book us. Yes, book I, us. Waiting. I would love to have a Paris adventure with my two favorite ladies. Well, I'm yes. coming to Paris anyway. I know, but, but, know. To have, <laughs> but to have my two favorite ladies together with awesome. me. Oh my God. I couldn't even imagine the <laughs> craziness that would go on. But uh, we would have a blast. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so now uh, I got an email last week from a lady asking about tax advice and how to do taxes. Obviously, I'm not a tax professional. I hire one for my taxes. And um, we have a special guest here today to answer your tax questions. So our guest today is Mary Lee Miller. She is an enrolled agent, which is a designation given by the IRS themselves. So they have to take an exam to get the certification and they keep up with it. They know all the taxes in and out. Um, she's the owner and founder of Companion Tax and Accounting Services, a full service licensed professional accounting and tax firm that specializes in the unique financial and tax needs of companions. Companion Tax has been in business since 2011. Welcome, Mary Lee. We appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day, I'm sure, since it's almost tax season. Well, thank you very much for having me. I actually welcome a little vacation from the grind of preparing tax returns. We're quite busy right now. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your education, work experience, and how you got to where you are today. What motivated you to provide these services to companions? Well, I was born and raised in the South, and I lived a very traditional fam uh, family life. Um, I graduated from college uh, with a bachelor in accounting and mass communications and was almost immediately recruited by the government. And I moved to Washington, D.C. and worked there for a while as a government auditor. It really wasn't a good fit. Um, I'm not compliant, really, and, <laughs> and uh, it was a little too much of a square peg, round hole type of situation. So I went to work for a private CPA firm. And that's where I got most of my experience working with small businesses and also with, uh, with tax issues. So I got a very rounded work experience working for a traditional CPA firm. Then uh, a big life change and I moved to South Florida in the early 2000s. And while I was down here, I met a group of people who said they were swingers and that they were in the lifestyle. Hmm. And um, interesting. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was very interesting. And uh, I think everybody that's going to be listening to this probably understands, you know, what that lifestyle is and what it entails. But during the course of making these friends, I discovered quite a few women in the lifestyle had migrated from uh, companion uh, from being in the lifestyle to paid companion work. And as I became close friends with these women, I learned that there was one common thread. They couldn't find accounting services anywhere. Nobody wanted to work with them. 
They're really kind of, uh, judgmental. Yeah, they were uncomfortable with it. Wow. Um, and a lot of these women are making a lot of money, you know, well into six figures, and they want to file their taxes, and they couldn't find anybody professional that was willing to do it. You know, a lot of people would have clients say, oh, I'll do your tax return for you. Just give me a couple of hours. And that never worked out well for the provider. Wow. Um, so with that, I decided to open a companion tax and concentrate on providing professional accounting and tax services for companions in a safe and non-judgmental venue. And uh, the business has been in existence since 2011. That's when I started it. That's amazing. Okay. I mean, nice. it's sad because this is true, actually. A lot of uh, companies have issues with adult entertainment in general. Like, they don't want to process credit cards. They don't want to host you sometimes. They don't want to have anything to do with it, even though this is a billion-dollar industry. I don't – I can't for the life of me understand why people would turn money away, but I guess, you know, <laughs> mechanical beliefs, but – yeah, absolutely. And that, um, that's been a common theme since uh, I've been in this business. Oh, I'm so glad I found you, somebody that understands the business. Uh, I, can, I can get honest and open and, and professional advice uh, in a non-judgmental venue. And I feel safe. That's amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, been quite, it's been quite a journey. Uh, we've grown uh, considerably. I have now have a staff of four. Uh, we have uh, two professionals, that would be me, uh, with an enrolled agent designation, and that's an IRS license that's only given to people who pass a strict background check and also take a three-day test given by the IRS to test your, your knowledge of the tax regulations, tax court rules, and working with the IRS on behalf of your clients. Awesome. Okay, and... Um... So how are you different than any other CPA or a tax preparation firm, and what are your strengths? Well, um, as far as a traditional setup of what a tax and a professional tax and accounting firm would provide, we're really no different. We provide a range of services for small, very small businesses and individuals, all the way from you know, helping a company set up what type of entity you want to be. Do you want to be a sole proprietor? Do you want to be an LLC or now corporation? Uh, to do an individual tax returns across all, uh, we do some fiduciary tax returns, estate tax returns, and uh, provide all of those traditional services. But where I think we're different, number one is that because the majority of our clients are in the companion business, that's really our mm-hmm. niche. But we do also provide the services to um to what I call vanilla clients that are not in the business right. or maybe they're on a fringe, uh, like a photographer mm-hmm. or a web page designer. Um, but where I really think we distinguish ourselves from any other accounting firm is that since the beginning, I have taken what I call a Nordstrom approach to customer service. I want us to distinguish ourselves from any other accounting service by providing extraordinary customer service. I call each and every client that I prepare a tax return for personally to discuss it with them, go over it with them, answer their questions, uh, any concerns they might have. I have found working in the accounting business, and from what I hear from other uh, companions that are now my clients, my account never called me. All of a sudden, I had a tax return on my desk on April 15th, sign here, here's my bill. Wow. I mean, I want to know, um, you know, so I, I, that has been... A primary focus of this company is to make sure that everybody's comfortable with the numbers on the return, 
I mean, after all, it's your return and it's your money. Exactly. And you're signing it. So we always want to make sure that everybody understands it. So I feel that's how we really set ourselves apart. Plus the fact with, you know, our clientele. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So um, in addition to tax returns, are there any other services you provide? Uh, yes. Uh, like I said, a full, a full array of business and accounting services for small businesses uh, and individuals. We also provide IRS representation for clients who need a professional to help them with an IRS collection issue. Uh, maybe some people have uh, IRS taxes they cannot pay and they need a payment plan or any other type of IRS issue that's beyond the expertise of, it's really kind of sad. The IRS has set themselves up in such a way that it's, it's a difficult to work with them. So we have a special unit that we work with as professionals that are a higher echelon within the IRS. Um, in addition to IRS, uh, we also provide business setup advice for people that may want to go beyond being just a sole proprietor and want to explore other types of options for their business, whether it be an LLC or corporation. Um, we also take it to the next level, we'll actually set the business up for you, file all the papers with the, uh, the whatever state the business is formed in. And we also would provide a full array of business bookkeeping services to those. Then I have quite a few clients who choose to use their time to screen clients and make travel arrangements rather than sit down and do their books every month. So we do that as well. And um, we also provide basic um, uh, advice on how to handle cash, budgeting. A lot of people, you know, they have all this cash and it kind of gets away yeah. from you. Kind of goes that's, def- your- that's something everyone <laughs> deals with, not just uh, companions. A lot of people do not know how to budget. They don't know how to handle money. They don't know how to yeah. save. They don't know how to invest. So, yeah, it's definitely, especially companions, too, because it's such quick cash. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so they think they're going to just keep making it and they never, like, you know, budget or save for a rainy day or set some aside, like, yeah, so it's it's crazy. <laughs> I, I completely understand. Yeah, yeah I tell them, I say, you know, getting all that cash, it's like sand going through your fingers. You have $5,000 in your purse on Monday and Friday, you have $800. Where did it go? You don't know. Exactly. Um, so that's they part should of what know. we do is to help people have more. Yes, they should. Um, more of a structure in their day-to-day financial. Um, and then some of the other areas that we work with is a lot of clients are trying to buy homes. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that want to build something from their mm-hmm. business and want to buy a home. Well, as soon as you're self-employed, you have to jump through a lot more hoops yep. to get that more yep. provide that support um, for them. Uh, and we all, and also income verification for people that are trying to get a rental property. Uh, we also have a whole, um, we have a group of lawyers, financial advisors. Nice. And I was going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that we work with. Um, I have one particular lawyer who uh, I've met with a couple of times here in South Florida who has offices all over the place. What kind of lawyer is this? uh, He is a, primarily he's a tax attorney. Okay. Um, I've referred several clients to him whose tax issues are beyond our area of expertise. And whenever I have a situation like that, and I do recognize it, I don't take anything on, I don't think I can handle successfully. I'll refer it to him. Um, I also have another attorney that uh, in in the Chicago area that specializes in the issues related to um, the sex business. 
Awesome. So I also have financial advisors and, um, like I said, other attorneys that we all that are all cool with working with people in the uh, oh. adult entertainment business. That's wonderful. Yes. And so while we're on the subject of this, um, so I always hear ladies telling others they can write off gym memberships, makeup, designer clothes, plastic surgery, you know, because they have to look good for clients and it's a part of their image. Can you give us some clarification on what expenses are and are not deductible? Yes, um, I'd be happy to talk about that because it comes up quite a bit. In general terms, uh, the IRS regulations um, state that in order for an expense to be a business deduction, it must be ordinary and necessary. And ordinary means that it's a typical business expense for the type of business you're in. Um, necessary means that it is required necessary for you to be able to conduct your business. And a good example of that type of expense would be a phone assistant or screening assistant or screening service. Okay. Um, it's certainly a typical of, of the companion business. And uh, I think an argument could be made that it's necessary. That is part of your uh, team that helps you run your business. You need a screener. You need somebody to uh, take your phone uh, messages. Mm -hmm. Another good example would be um, advertising. For sure. Uh, travel expenses, meals while you're traveling, taxis, airfare, all of that. Um, it, it's not, and it's, there are gray areas. Uh, there are ones that come up uh, often is hair, nails, skin treatments, gym memberships, clothing, lingerie. Um, the IRS has ruled pretty consistently that things like hair, grooming, nails, skin treatments, are considered inherently personal in nature and would have been purchased regardless. And there, in, there are some narrow exceptions and probably mostly in the area of people that are actresses or actors in the porn business on the West Coast or in actually acting business. But I don't have any clients like that. That's a whole nother niche. Mm -hmm. But what I like to tell clients is that the IRS, if, if, if you're doing this and deriving some personal pleasure from the hair, nail, skin treatments, you probably would do that anyway. Mm -hmm. The IRS would probably deny it. Um, if, you're a, if you're a hair model, then everything related to your hair is going to be deductible. If you're a hand model, everything related to your nails will be deductible. But just because you want to look good for your clients and because it's part of your image, the IRS would rule that that wouldn't be deductible. That's very interesting uh, because I'm sure some girls could argue that because they normally would be plain Jane and they only get dressed and buy makeup for their clients, it should be deductible. What, what do you think? Oh, yeah, we get that argument all the time. And this is what I tell them um, is if, if you if you want to take, if you insist on taking a deduction, it will be against my advice. Mm -hmm. And that if you, if you, if you get audited, the likelihood that those expenses will be denied may be high. And so what you have to be willing to do is if in the event the IRS decides that you cannot take the deduction, you're going to pay taxes on it mm -hmm. and penalties and interest. And never mind the cost and intrusion of having the IRS all up in your business. Yeah, it's not uh, worth so, it. <laughs> well, that's why I tell clients in situations like this, okay, we're going to take, say, $3,000 a year in deductions for hair, nails, and makeup. And if you're in the 20% bracket, that's going to save you 
uh, $600 in taxes. Is it worth it? Because I can tell you right, going right out the gate, anytime you get an IRS notification or any clarification of an expense, any CPA firm is going to ask for a $2,000 retainer up front wow. to, even, to even take it. So that's the kinds of conversations I have on a one-on-one basis with clients all the time. Um, now, on the issues of clothing, uh, which is, this is, oh, but gym membership. I have several clients that in addition to being a companion, they're also personal trainers. In that situation, gym membership would be deductible. But if you're getting a gym membership to go, you know, so you can stay you know, looking good for your clients and that's the only reason, then no, not, not considered deductible by the IRS. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it really is. Um, clothing, this is the, one of the most contentious areas <laughs> of, of my practice, is that there are a couple of, of clothing and plastic surgery. I'll do clothing first. Clothing, um, a lot of my clients say, my client, I have this client, he wants me to wear Nicole Miller dresses every time we meet, and it can't be the same one. Those dresses are $500 a piece. Can I wipe them off? And I say no. And they said, but I never wear it anywhere but with my client. And one of the specific components of the IRS regulation regarding deductibility of clothing is that even if you choose not to wear it in public, but you could, it's not considered a business deduction and it's not deductible. Um, there's two court cases that are really, uh, one court case in particular, there's a, a reporter um, in Canada Every year, deducted about $15,000 for clothing and the maintenance of that clothing. Wow. Because she was on air every day, and she justified that this was a requirement of my employer and that I had to wear these types of things, these shoes, these stockings, these outfits, all of this, so it's deductible. And the reason the IRS um, denied it is because all of those clothes that she wore could be worn in public. She just chose not to. That in and of itself does not all of a sudden make it deduct or non-deductible to deductible. Mm-hmm. Now, what is deductible is if you have a client that wants you to dress up like the black swan ballerina, or they want you to dress up like a French maid or wear some outrageous stage makeup or some other sort of accessory, that the only place you could wear that without creating any attention might be at Key West Fantasy Fest <laughs> or at, at the yeah um, definitely that's that's the at, place in New Orleans for um, Mardi Gras for the uh, Mardi Gras <laughs> um, that would be deductible and so that is the basic rule if you cannot wear it in public and and lingerie doesn't uh, that doesn't fly uh, if you cannot wear it in public if it's of a costume nature uh, then it's considered a business deduction and we would call that a costume and then plastic surgery okay plastic surgery if a couple of things um and i'll give you an example of one situation where plastic surgery was deductible there is a a pretty well-known k court k court court case called the case of chesty love (laughs) oh i remember that case you remember i'm very familiar okay Okay, well, I'll make it brief. Chesty Love was a stripper, but she was not, she did not have endowment, and and she was not paid well. And so she decided that she was going to get very large breast implants and use that to perhaps increase her revenue. Excuse me. She got 56 N 
implants and her income skyrocketed. Wow. Uh, as you can imagine, people came to see this an actual woman who had had these 56. So she deducted it. The IRS initially denied it because plastic surgery. And um, then she took it up the appeal chain and the tax court agreed with her because she derived virtually no personal pleasure from that. She said, if I could have taken them out every night, I would have because they would cause me such pain. And the other reasons they were able to directly trace the increase in her income to the date she had the implants put on and she started under that new persona. Wow. So if you're getting breast implants, face, uh, getting a, um, a facelift or any kind of facial treatments and you derive personal pleasure out of that and you look normal and ordinary and you cannot prove that your business has, has increased because of that, they're going to deduct it. They're going to deny it. Wow. That's pretty, (laughs) that's pretty cool though. I mean, and also kind of annoying too, because you have to kind of like, you know, maneuver through all these gray areas to figure out. Well, that's what we're here for. Exactly. Exactly. That's why we hired a professional. Yeah, right. And one more thing about the Chesty Love is that um, during the course of her appeals with the IRS, she retired and she had the breast removed. And that, too was more evidence that the only reason she had these and got was for for business purposes and she derived no personal pleasure whatsoever i mean i can imagine those things are huge yeah. and heavy oh well if you go on um, google and look it up you'll see them it's it's, it's ridiculous it's to see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay so what are some of the most frequently asked questions you get from companions number one hands down, is do I have to claim all that income? Um, <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, the IRS answer The IRS answer is yes. They require you to report all income received from clients from all sources, regardless of whether it's deposited into your bank account, used to pay bills, or stored in your home safe. That's the number one question, um, is do I have to claim all my income? And, you know, the... The way we work here is that as part of working with the client, I tell them that we don't audit what you tell us, but we do look carefully at what you tell us. And if it doesn't make sense, we're going to ask more questions. Um, As as you can understand, because it's a cash business, uh, uh, a lot of clients think that because it's cash, you know, I don't really have to report it. I'll just decide what I want to report and that's what I'm going to put on my tax return. So that's the number one question. Um, the number two question, which I think we cover pretty, you know, extensively, is that what's deductible. Um, and when we start to work with clients, we have a very exhaustive list of of what we have learned to be typical deductible expenses, and we send it to clients to sort of give them as a baseline to help them sort out their business deductions. Um, the number three question is. I haven't filed tax returns in a number of years. Will I go to jail? <laughs> and uh, the short answer is no. Uh, the IRS has bigger fish to fry. They're not going to worry with uh, one woman who you know, may have underreported her income or didn't file tax returns for six years. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the, I, the chances of, of one of my clients being audited is less than one half of 1%. 
And part of what we do here is every single tax return gets scrutiny by me. Uh, stand back uh, at the forest for the trees thing. And I look at this return. And I said, does this pass the small test? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Do I have a client that's living in Manhattan and claiming $20,000 a year in income? Well, we're going to take another look at that because it doesn't make sense. Um, and uh, that increases your audit chances. Uh, and the other thing, and this is a little off topic for this, but it's something I've discussed uh, with clients often, is I understand that you want to keep your taxes down. Nobody wants to pay taxes. But if you're going to, rep- if, let's say in three years you decide you want to buy a house and you've reported for three years on your tax return that you've made $30,000 in taxable income, what kind of house do you think you're going to get? Exactly. Because the first thing the mortgage company is going to ask for is two or three years worth of tax returns. Mm-hmm. You might, you know, you might qualify for a condo under a bridge. <laughs> or just be cuts. under the bridge altogether. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So these are the types of, of questions and discussions we have with our clients. It's not just sitting down with them and saying, okay, give me the numbers. Here's the return. See you next year. It's like, where, where are you going in three years? What are your plans? Right. Do you have goals, financial goals? So um, to back to the thing about the tax returns, um, you're not going to go to jail. The only t- uh, One thing, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've never had a client audited. Um, and it, it, part of it's because I'm really diligent about making sure that any tax return that gets to the IRS is boring and it doesn't get kicked out of their system. They have, every tax return gets, um, uh, goes through their computer system and it gets graded. And mm-hmm. the higher the grade, the more likelihood that it's going to be pulled and looked at by a human. That mm-hmm. you don't want. You do not want it looked at a human, by a human. Um, so that's one of the things that we look at. And that's the main three questions. We have a lot of other questions that come through. Um, but we don't have all day. I mean, the, honestly, this, this could go on. I, could, I have given speeches uh, or talks before at various uh, meetings uh, where providers have been there with other professionals. And I, they give me an hour and I could go on for two hours because there's always so many questions. But this is I just a imagine. taste of it. Because taxes are very complicated. Um, That's so, why you hire professionals. So, <laughs> so with, um, with the in-calls, um, when ladies hold meetings at their homes, can they deduct rent and utilities? Yeah, the rule on home offices, and that's what this is. This is a home office. Um, IRS is pretty strict about that. This is a red red flag item as well. Um, Generally, a home office deduction is allowed if you have a separate space that's used regularly and exclusively for client meetings. So that means, uh, do you have a second bedroom? Do you have a den? Uh, Do you have another room that you can use for client meetings? If if you have a one-bedroom apartment and you have what I call a a multiple-use space, like you have a master bedroom that you sleep in and you also meet, have client meetings there, that's not going to be deductible. Um, So if you And then if you have a place that's just specifically for that, like let's say you don't even use the house for your personal space at all, you can definitely deduct that. Absolutely. If you have a separate rented office space, that is 100% deductible. Perfect. As a business expense. So what happens with a home office, because we have quite a few, is that if it does qualify for that, we just uh, figure out what the proportion of the home office is to the entire space and deduct that proportion on their tax returns as a home office. Okay. 
Great. Uh, and then there's a lot of misinformation about taxes for companions. Uh, what's the worst <clears throat> tax advice you've heard that has been given to a companion? You don't have to pay taxes because you're paid in cash. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, who, who would say that? Like, seriously. That is like the well, top I, of the what, 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 what professional would actually tell somebody that? <laughs> um, well, well, the misinformation, or, you know, this is not this is not necessarily from a professional tax um, accountant. When, when I, this, I'm speaking about other professional, other companions and people who have worked with companions, there's a lot of misinformation in the community about taxes. And one of the things that I hear um, all the time is that, well, I've been told that I don't have to pay any taxes because what I'm doing is illegal. And I said, excuse me? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I said time and companionship uh, and being paid for that, that's not illegal. I said, and, and even if it were, the they IRS still want their cut. That's exactly <laughs> right. They don't care what you do, they no, want their the money. FBI deal with that's you. Right. They don't care what you do. Right in there, it says, uh, regardless of your source of your income, even if it's illegal, uh, burglary, uh, drug, all that stuff, uh, we still want our cut. Now, here's a funny mm-hmm. one. I had it. I have to read this. This was from a um, a PowerPoint speech that I gave uh, some time ago. Here it is. Um, IRS Publication 525. Quote, if you steal property, you must report its fair market value in your income <laughs> in the year you steal it, unless in the same year you return it to its rightful owner. Wow. <laughs> Well, Chantel, I think we need to go stealing some homes then. (laughs) Do you want to go steal a mansion later? (laughs) As long as you pay taxes on it. it (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fine if we steal a mansion as long as we pay the taxes. (laughs) Trying to add a little levity into what otherwise is a very dry subject, so... Oh. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I actually, um, I just thought of a question because I know, um, I, I know a little bit about this, but I know a lot of other ladies probably don't. What, um, what advice would you give them on receiving gifts? Oh, good question, and um, and that's something I was hoping I would have a chance to talk about. Uh, general rule about gifts is that the donor who gives you the money can give you up to $14,000 a year and it's nice. not taxable to you. And it's, it's not, it, he doesn't, or he, she does not have to report it. If that donor gives you anything over $14,000 in a year, they are supposed to file a gift tax return with the internal revenue service. And I won't get you technical here, but what happens is whatever they give away is a donation uh, chips away at their ultimate estate tax deduction when they die. And this is for people that are extraordinarily wealthy because the estate tax nice. deduction is around $5 million. You hear that, guys? Gift okay. providers, <laughs> so, so that way you can so, save uh, on your taxes. But, okay, <laughs> so anything over 14000 so what happens is that $14,000 does not get reported on your tax return as income. It just doesn't get addressed at all although I would recommend some sort of record of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then from the, ten, the standpoint of the donor, the gentleman, he doesn't have to report it. That's 14000 per person. So if he had five people in his, it, it, it doesn't count for a wife. There's no gifts to a wife, just whatever you want to give her. But if he has five people he wants to 
So if he had a mistress on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah, one in every state, he could give each of them $14,000 and it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't make any difference. Now, where it gets tricky and where I've had this discussion with many clients is, um, is when they start giving a large gifts, and I'm talking about five and six figure gifts in a year, I tell the client, and this is where, this is where I get, um, I really get concerned about, I want to make sure the client is protected. Mm -hmm. And that what I tell her is that if you want this gift to be treated as a gift, there's certain rules that has to be given to you with no expectation of anything in return. It's not a loan. Uh, and I want something in writing from the client declaring that they have given you this amount of money in this year. And I also have a little legal blurb that goes with it. And what I do with that, that is the documentation that they did indeed receive a gift in excess of the non-taxable amount of 14000 And we just put that in her work paper files. It doesn't go to the IRS. But it's there if we need it. Mm -hmm. If for any reason the IRS comes back and for some reason wants to determine if, if there was a additional income that wasn't reported. So what if, what um, if it's 14000 cash or a check? Uh, you're saying you don't have to report it, but should she still get a note or something just to cover her butt? Uh, yes, uh, that would be because I, but because I do try, like to err on the side of caution. My recommendation would be is that yes, that you would get some sort of a letter or some sort of a note is that this is a gift. And writing gift in the memo section of the check is really not no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, that would be my recommendation. But I would not, I, for that amount of money, and because there is no reporting requirements for it, I would not not file a tax return because a letter for that amount of money wasn't in the work paper files. You know, I'm here to protect the clients. I want to make sure they have documentation, all the, the worst case scenarios. You know, in, in actuality, the person that's giving the gift is it a little more um, of a risk than the person that's getting the gift because the tax burden is on the donor, not the donor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's sort of my little spiel on gifts. Does that make it kind of, does that help to clarify that issue? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Cause I, I know some ladies that think that all gifts are non uh, non taxable, and I've tried to explain to them that's not exactly true. So don't uh, so don't get into the habit of just saying everything is a gift because the IRS is not really going to care that everything you receive seemed to be a gift. They know that at some point it's considered income. So yeah, when in doubt, just ask a professional. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, so. Yeah, right. So for so for the ladies who, uh, since we you talked about uh, keeping records, um, what kind of records should they keep, um, especially if they're not bookkeepers and they're not good at um, keeping track of their income and expenses? Mm -hmm. um, do you have some suggestions for simple ways to do that without them having to buy an accounting program? And do they have to save yeah. all receipts? Okay, yeah, um, I do have some ideas. Um, this comes up a lot as well. Uh, the IRS rule is that anytime you have a business um, expense, and, and, and forget whether it qualifies as business or not, let's assume it does, um, any business expense incurred that is under $75, you're not required to keep a receipt. However, if you are audited, 
and you don't have receipts for those, the IRS is going to ask for other contemporaneous evidence that it was indeed a business uh, expense, such as travel records, an appointment book, that you were actually here at this place where you said you took lunch. So my rule is save all business expenses. Let's not even play that game. Mm-hmm. S- separate personal from business. The simplest way to do it is every month get a, a manila folder, put the month and the year on it, and put all the business receipts, all your bank statements, all your money order receipts, anything of a receipt in nature that relates to your business, and put it in an envelope and set it aside. And with the scanning app now, you can actually just scan your receipt so that way it's in electronic uh, format and make yeah, life just the, easy um, for you. So it doesn't... Well, one of my, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's the lowest tech uh, you know, I don't want to do anything. Just stuff it in the envelope and set it aside. At some point, I'm probably going to need it to give to you. Because sometimes receipts fade too, though. So you're better That's off right. scanning it and just saving it in the electronic file, Dropbox, whatever. So that way, whenever you need it, it's right there instead of going through your receipts so, and then it's faded. <laughs> what what uh, scanning program do you use? I mean, uh, mean there are different uh, apps that you can get um mine is just called a scanner app let me see here i think i have like turbo scan or something like yeah like all you gotta do is go on your whatever app platform you have and uh look it up mine is called iScanner. so okay so what does it do when it's so it scans it and then nothing else they're in some sort of a it scans it you can you can save it as a pdf you can save it as a, a jpeg and it's in a folder, but then you can transfer it to, you know, a cloud account somewhere or a Google account, Google Drive, whatever. But it's saved electronically. So that way, whenever you need it, it's right there instead of going to reach for the receipt and then it's faded or you can't make out the numbers, which mm-hmm. that happens a lot. And you, you, can, e- you can email it. You can fax it. You yeah, can you, can it, do so. all, you can email it to your accountant, actually. Like it gives you a, a ton of options of what you can do when you scan it. Yeah. So. Well, but it doesn't it doesn't massage the information anyway. In other words, it doesn't take all the taxi receipts and put them into one total or take the meal and entertainment of the hotels and put them in any order. No, it's just, no, it's, it's just as simple. It's just like uh, making a photocopy. Okay. But yeah. it's done with it, the I mean, the same instead. thing they're doing when they stuff it in an envelope. That's pretty much what it's doing. But electronically it's saving it in a folder the folder would be the envelope and then they can go through it and 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 organize it well i have a better i have maybe a a a better uh, mousetrap for for (laughs) these types of uh receipts because what you're what you're describing to me is is one step up from the envelope because you're right about the receipts fading and who wants all that paper yeah at least you have an elect but then the next step is going to be Let's assume you're working with an account and these receipts go to your account. Now you got to pay your account to sort through all these, put them in the right categories, and then put it into a format suitable to prepare a tax return. Now, there is a program out there that I recommend to all of my clients called shoeboxed.com. I don't know if you've heard of it not. No, I don't it's think like I've heard shoe, of that one. Or, shoe, sorry, shoebox, dot, it's S-H-O-E-B-O-X-E-D.com. For about $29 a month, they will send you a prepaid envelope. You take all of your receipts, stuff them in the envelope. You don't have to separate them. You can ball them up, whatever you want. As soon as that envelope is full, you send it to them. They scan them all into Excel. Not only do they scan them, 
they put a category on it based on what it's what it is, whether it's a taxi or a meal, and then they put it in spreadsheet form. So you give that that program access your your account and access to that because I have quite a few clients that use it. How do you spell this shoebox? A... Because I just... shoebox. It's like shoebox. Because I just you know, did, and it's showing Hallmark. <laughs> No, it's www.shoeboxed, S-H-O-E-B-O-X-E-D. Oh, shoeboxed. Okay, got it. Boxed. Yeah, shoeboxed.com. Yeah, shoeboxed is my Hallmark cards. Um, <laughs> and then what happens is when I get access to it, because it can give you your account and access, I pull up the spreadsheet and then I sort it all the way I want. I put all the taxis in one place, the meals in a place, the airfare, uh, the hotels and everything, and at the in the end, I pull off. It, it summarizes all those expenses for me. So now I have a list of total airfare, total hotels, total this, that, total that, and then in addition to that, because it's a PDF, what it is, copies of all the receipts, and this is IRS approved. So it just takes what you're doing to the next level nice. and brings down. Because really, when you're working with account, it's all about how long it takes to do right. it. I mean, it's totally uh, time-driven. Mm-hmm. So the better organized you are and the better uh, organized and finalized the information is that you get to your account, the less your fee is going to be. Yeah. So I've been really happy with that. Um, there's one other program that's free uh, that is a phone app that I, I just really like. It's so simple. It's called Spending Tracker. And when you find it on the in the apps, you'll see it's a little wallet. It's a little brown wallet with with dollar bills coming out of it. Hopefully, maybe hundred dollar bills. Coming out of it. <laughs> I like your style. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it's so easy. You just pull it up. You can um, enter the date, the amount that was paid, uh, who it was to, and it sort of builds a memory list for you. And then it, it's all in there. It's, there's a little more manual work, which I'm, I'm all about keeping that to a minimum because we're all really busy. But that's another free, easy way. And I do believe you can also snap a picture or a receipt and that can be stored as well. Nice. But all that information is on my website. And the one other thing, oh, and, and the other thing is for shoe, with Shoebox, you can choose to just let them shred the documents once they've um once they scan them. Oh. I mean, it, unless you want the paper back, which I cannot imagine why anybody wants. <laughs> Hoarders. Hoarders um, would want it. Well, no, no. And one other thing that I always recommend uh, that my clients keep track of is their mileage. I mean, everybody takes business mileage on their tax returns because you go back and forth to appointments. Mm-hmm. You go back and forth to the bank. That's all countable. If you got to go to Staples to pick up supplies, that's countable business. Mm-hmm. Anytime you are and you're doing something for business, it's tax deductible. So there is a program free as well. Uh, and I think the upgrading was $2 a month. It's called Mile IQ, M-I-L-E-I-Q. And it is so easy to track your business mileage. You, know, you don't have to keep a little notebook. Okay, I just got in the car. I'm going to see so and so. Here's my mileage. Then you stop, and you're gonna write down the mileage again, and figure out how far you went. Um, so that's a couple of free programs that I think are really good to get started if if, if people are just starting out trying to figure out what to do with their receipts and keep track. Now, the other thing <clears throat> is that as far as keeping track of the money that you collect from your clients, it can be as simple as a little notebook you keep in your in your uh, purse. 
is when mm-hmm. the unemployment just dropped down, you know, how much money was collected and, and that's it. You don't do anything else. Just total at the end of the month. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm sure one other program that I just, I wanted to mention too is Safe Office. Um, yes, I use that. Sa- yeah, Safe Office is, uh, in addition to having an amazing menu of programs uh, for the community, is they now have a very uh, simple accounting module mm-hmm. that you can use to keep track of your expenses. I mean, if you're already using Safe Office, why not? So when a when you've kept track of all that and you send that uh, report to us at the end of the year, that's the basis for your business part of your tax return. Perfect. Wow. Well, this is definitely uh lady. I hope you're thankful for Mary Lee coming on the <laughs> show. Uh, okay. So what is one misconception people have about tax professionals when it comes to tax preparation? Um, I think one of the misconceptions and it's often not verbalized, but I believe it to be true is that because we prepare the tax return and because we sign the tax returns preparers, that we're responsible for the numbers on the tax return. And that's not the case. We do have a professional responsibility and an ethical responsibility because of our license to make sure that the tax return complies you know, with all regulations and that we have been diligent about making sure that the numbers on there are true to correct to the best of our ability, but ultimately the responsibility is that of the taxpayer. And that when we send you the forms to, to sign for your tax return, I have to tell everybody, please read the fine print because you're responsible for the numbers in this tax return and if you're audited, it'll be up to you to produce the documentation that is asked for by the IRS. Exactly. So I think that's a number one misconception. Um, at least if, if they're more, they're not telling me. <laughs> so, okay. And what type of clients do you work best with? Um, that, a client that's engaged in the process. Of someone who wants to learn and participates in the process. It's not a one-way street. Um, yeah. We work for you. It's your, it's your money. It's your tax return. We work for you. So to the extent that you are participating in the process and I don't have to hound you six times to get the same piece of information, it's going mm-hmm. to be, um, it's going to be in your best bet, you know, be informed, be curious. Right? So mm-hmm. basic, basically you help those who help themselves. Well, that's right. <laughs> Just yeah. like the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we know we have to pay taxes, but the rich do many things where they can save on their taxes. How can the ladies save? Because we want to pay, but we don't want to pay that much. Right. Well, nobody <laughs> wants to pay that much. And on the, on the uh, issue of paying taxes, one of the things, and I'm not sure where I could squeeze this in, but I think this would be a good place to do it, is that I recommend to all of my clients is that you set aside at least 20% of everything you collect from clients for taxes. And and they say, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I say, here's what you do. When you collect that envelope and you've got $500, five $100 bills in there, you pull $100 bill out and you put it in your tax fund. And then the rest of it, you know, I always like to say, okay, $100 for taxes, $100 for something fun, and the rest of it pay your bills, you know, and save something. So they have 
I try to tell clients, you have to have the mindset that you're going to pay taxes, but there are a couple of ways that we can cut back. A lot of the the tax loopholes, if you want to call them, or that are available to the rich are not available to us. You know, offshore, uh, 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 what they call the limited partnerships with the oil wells and all of that. We just don't have that opportunity. But what we do have that's still available to us is a retirement account. Because if you, the best way for you to save on taxes, and we're not, we're talking about saving on taxes, not cutting down on your gross income. There's a little bit of Mm -hmm. difference. An IRA plan, anybody that makes at least $500 a year can put up to $5,500 a year into a a traditional IRA account, which is a retirement plan. And that $5,500 is deductible. Now, there's some exceptions, but that's beyond the scope of this this chat. Is that mm-hmm. so? You, that's five hundred and fifty dollars that gets lopped off of your taxable income, and as long as that remains in the account up until you're retirement age eligible at fifty nine and a half, you're earning dividends and interest, also tax free. I mean, and then beyond that, if if you have as a business person, you can also open a business retirement plan and put even more in. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, for example, let's say that uh, you you gross or you, your taxable income is fifty thousand dollars. Not only can you put in a fifty five hundred dollar IRA account, you can also put up to ten thousand dollars additional in a self employed pension plan. That is the number one tax savings opportunity for self employed people you know, that are not uber wealthy. Um, I also, (laughs) I was going to, you're probably about to say this too, real estate. Well, yeah, I mean, that was my next on my list. (laughs) That That was number two of number three is absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that most of our listeners are paying an arm and a leg for rent. Rents are up. It's just the nature of the business now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, I had a client call me last week and said, my rent just went up to $4,500. And I went, girl, I said, that's more than I paid for my house. I said, you need wow. to do whatever you have to do to get yourself positioned to buy a house. And then you can write off the real estate taxes. You can write off the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Although some things are going to change with tax year 2018 because of the new tax law. Yeah. Um, a, uh, the uh, standard deduction is going to double and some of this may not be deductible, but it doesn't matter. But it's still in favor of equity. people that have real estate and people that exactly. have their own business. Yes. Yes. Buy real estate, buy investment property, do whatever you have to do, go in with somebody, get a get something, build some equity. You mm-hmm. know, a closet full of Prada purses and Jimmy Choo shoes. I mean, that's really nice. And the most fun is where the box is open and in a month you've forgotten. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> get, exactly. Get, a, get some real estate. Own something. Invest. Um, invest. Because nobody invest. gets rich from working. <laughs> you know, in addition to a retirement plan, um, this isn't going to give you tax savings, but it's along the same vein of what we're talking about. Opening an investment account, it doesn't take much to go to a Schwab or a TD Ameritrade um, or even uh, Vanguard. Vanguard. I heard is pretty good. Vanguard is exactly the best mutual funds. You can set up a little account and for just a non-retirement fund, and you can have fifty dollars, as little as fifty dollars a month, taken out of your bank account, put into that account, and they will invest it in 
uh, bits and pieces of stocks or, or a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. This is $50 a month or $100 no one. a month. No, no. One. no and a, you know, I, I would be willing to bet that it, it could be 200 a month with the, the clientele that, that this is listening to this podcast and, and is served by this community is that a $200 a month, $2,500, it just adds up. And I heard in the, index funds are also pretty good too, I hear. Very good. Index funds are good. I mean, the market is overheated now. This is, you know, I'm getting kind of far afield here, but nevertheless, do something. Get do right things, please. Down. Get something. Get, get some educated. Do up. something, ladies, because exactly. you know we yeah. have a limited time doing this line of work. I mean, yes, you can do it as long as you like, but you don't want to do it because you have to. You want to do it because well, you right. want to. That's right. You know, that's, so you don't want to be forced to work if you don't want to work. So you should start now saving and investing. So that way in the future, mm-hmm. you can, you know, be like, oh, I'm just going to take six months off or whatever. So, yeah, we need a, you know, need an emergency plan. Now, the third thing on my list, this is this is I don't know that I have that many clients that would, would want to do this would qualify. But I do have a few. And it's something to think about. If you formalize your business and you've got if you've got children that are your dependents, put them on payroll. Oh, I've um, heard of this, that, but sadly, yeah, I don't I mean, have any kids, nor do I want any. <laughs> okay, well, <you're, laughs> neither do I. Already <laughs> well, those, of the, the, those that are listening and do have children, um, you're probably already giving them their allowance. You probably are already buying their cell phone for them or, or a lot of other expenses. Why not convert that into a uh, to them? What's the age? Your business? What's the age limit? Uh, actually, any age. Uh, so a baby? Real young. <laughs> so, you know, when they're real young, well, actually, with a baby, you should be setting up an education plan, you know, put it through some sort of a, uh, an education plan. Mm-hmm. But I've actually had clients that would put them on the payroll, like, when they're five or six. Yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, and, and it's modest. And then, um, and then con- it has two things. Number one, <clears throat> converting the, the money you're giving them anyway. Uh, randomly into a paycheck and you can help them learn about budgeting and the value of money and well I'm going to give you this you're going to get a hundred dollars a week this is what's coming out of it you better you know watch your money and anyway that's that's one idea and and I wanted to touch on what you said a little bit about <clears throat> about making hay while I'm from the south it says uh, make hay while the sun is shining uh-huh. is that I tell all my clients to look you have a you're making an incredible amount of money now. You're probably in the top 5% of your earners. And you have an incredible opportunity to do something like this. Um, and so while you're – get a plan together. Um, yes. Make an exit plan. Yes, ladies. Plan. How long do you want to do this? And what do you have to do to get to the point where you can exit on your own terms? Not, yes. Not work in it. Because yes. You know what it's like when you work in this business and you don't want to be there. You got or any business, on. really. If, yeah, you, well, if you're true. doing a any job business. you hate, it's it's never great. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so get a plan together. Yeah, I've sat down with clients before and I said, okay, we're going to go through how much money. I, I had a client to tell me um, last year, I was saying, um, how much do you make? How much do you make a month? Because she said, we have no money. Uh, we cannot pay uh, our taxes. I said, well, let's go through the numbers. I said, how much are you making a month? She said, I'm grossing 20000 I said, okay. And so we started going, tell me what your expenses are. This is my mortgage. This is a private school for the kids. 
and uh, my husband has two race cars. That's what that costs. So at the end of the month, there's still $15,000 left over. I said, where'd that go? Shoes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but seriously, um, uh... when, once you sit down and go through the numbers and start actually putting pen to paper, it can be very illuminating mm-hmm. and, it, and it can be it's either true. oh to hell with it i'm I, I don't i can't even take a bite of this elephant it's too big i can't handle it or it can be very it could be a, a inducement to do more with what you've got and a one other one other item about that is that i also have recommended to all my clients and this is this is a, again part of what we do here we try to be not just a tax accountant but not just you know, accounting, bookkeeping, and all of that, but to try to help clients to to better formulate their business plan and help kind of tie everything together. And one of the things I've asked my clients is, do you have a disaster plan? What's that? I said, what happens if you're unexpectedly detained and you've got children in school and you have no access to your bank account, no access to your home, and no access to your children? And your web page is up. What are you going to do? Um, and I get that kind of silence. And that's one of the things I always tell. I said, start thinking about what you would do if you suddenly lost access to everything. Um, so. <laughs> and and <laughs> but that's that, true. That's true. And on that you know, note, I mean, um... I said, it might be as simple as keeping, you know, a friend that you trust. You know, to have access to uh, having access to your website, you can pull everything down. Mm-hmm. Get to your bank, pull money out, uh, just anything. Yeah, I mean, just think, just sit down and think. You about just it. got what a plan, 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 plan. Exactly, you got a plan. Exactly. And this has been a very, very informative interview, and we greatly yes, appreciate thank you. it. Thank um, you, you so much. Do you have any parting advice for our listeners? Yes, one of the she's kind of I already given them a ton of advice. But <laughs> oh, no, we'll I take don't. more. <laughs> but any parting advice, you know, we'll like take more advice. <laughs> I tell them, think like a businesswoman, not like an escort. Love and it. I, everybody, actually, I love think it. Think like a businesswoman, not like an escort. Most of you're making six-figure incomes. Uh, you're making a ton of money. Look, at, this is a business, and think like a businesswoman. Make it count. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and when, where can uh, people find out more about you if they wanted to reach out to you and actually get a response? Um, oh, at this point, we're not taking any new clients until after April 17th, as you can imagine. Okay. Uh, but if you want to get on the list, uh, visit the website, uh, which is uh, companiontax.com. And uh, there's a lot of information on there about the services we provide, but there's also a section on new client. If you go to the client tab, uh, there's instructions on what to do to set up an initial consultation. And you can also call um, our main line. You'll actually get a live person. It's, um, and I can, would you want me to give you that number? Sure. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's 954-320-7576. And, you know, it might go to voicemail, uh, but somebody will eventually get back to you. But actually, the easiest way is just go to the website and um, go from there. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mary Lee. We appreciate you you and your time you set aside. Thank Thank you you. so much. You have a wonderful day and a happy tax day. Yes. (laughs) 17th this year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
Wow, that was an amazing interview. She gave us a lot of information. So much information. That was yes. wonderful, very informative. Yes. And I sure hope our listeners learned a lot about yes, taxes, ladies, savings, saving. investing. Yes, I mean, and it doesn't matter if you're not making six figures. You can still get to that level. Nobody starts at a, a millionaire status. They start somewhere. Rome wasn't built in a day. Exactly. So, so start just, small. Uh, definitely pay your taxes, get a professional, because the last thing you want is to get audited. You don't want to get audited. <laughs> yes. So let's end on that positive note. Any last words? As always, keep it sexy. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You're my mind. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Before you go, guys, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and like us on SoundCloud. If you're able to leave us reviews or likes on any other listening platforms, please do so. This helps people find our show. You can also download every single episode free of charge. That way you can listen to us even if you don't have an internet connection. We love getting your questions and suggestions, so please keep them coming. Our email is info at thesexyescortguide.com. Our number to text is 657-464-4675. You can also tag us on Twitter with the hashtag TSEGP. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at TSEGP and Twitter at TSEG Podcast. We do record the show live from time to time, so make sure you're staying connected with us. You can join our mailing list so that you can be the first to hear of breaking news and exciting stories. Our website is thesexyescortguide.com. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We truly appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, stay ravishing and receptive.